Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast, here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Monday, October 18, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, let's review the tape, what happened over the last several sessions. We're going to look at the bigger picture, and then we're going to drill down to the smaller picture from there. So the market went down into early last week. I was obviously pounding the table that the market was either going to find support because the rubber band was stretched, or they were going to snap back. And obviously, those of you that are in the lazy swing trader know that we took a S&P 500 swing trade down near the lows, which resulted in about 120 S&P handles until the final exit, which occurred today. Where does that put the market? It puts the market in the, your trend is your friend until she throws you out on your ass. Is she going to find some resistance up in this neck of the woods over the next day or so and have a pullback? The answer is most likely yes. However, as long as the market is above all the moving averages and you look at the daily chart, you look at the weekly chart, you look at the monthly chart, and what do you have? You have a market that's still in the midst of a melt-up operation. The weekly chart. So they ran a test to the 20-week moving average, they bounced off, and now they're trending up toward the former highs. That's the way you have to look at the weekly chart if you're an umpire calling balls and strikes. The monthly chart, what we said was, last month was a reversal candle. That is a factual statement. Also, If, in fact, any month after last month, they close the month above the high, meaning above September's high, that means that the reversal candle is wiped off the table and you're just in the midst of a melt-up operation. We don't know whether they will or whether they won't close, and it has to be on a closing basis. We don't know whether they will close above last month's high, but if they do then we're likely in for another leg higher across the markets. Over the last several sessions, I discussed the fact that this week, early this week, was an important time frame. So in fact, we did make a turn last week and traded up into this week. If we traded down into like today or tomorrow, I may be looking for a turn, but we didn't do that. We traded up into this time frame. And here's the situation. And I'm not saying this is anything material other than an awareness. We're in that zone where we're right on top of an anniversary of the 1987 crash. Again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. It's actually at this stage unlikely to happen. Why is that? Because if you look at the market and you compare one chart to the next, the market was very, very weak. The rubber band in 1987 was very, very stretched, and then all of a sudden, it broke, and that's where the decline or the crash came from. It was really more akin to being down here right now, and the rubber band being stretched and saying, hey, a little bit lower, and there could be a vacuum to the downside. That didn't happen. That's not the setup now. Now the market is just a normal garden variety market until it's not. But at least from where I sit, it's good to have that awareness of where you are in terms of time. Time is more important than price. 
anniversaries and these important things from the history books tend to be good awareness things because if things start to look a little kooky, you kind of have it in the back of your mind that, hey, wait a minute, this could be more of an important time frame than meets the eye. And the last kind of segment on this topic is you might say, well, every year is an anniversary, so every year do I have to look back to October 18th, 19th for the anniversary of the 87 crash? And the answer is no, not really. But they happen on a cyclical basis. They happen at important time frames where they become more important, and sometimes you'll see one of those reactions, and you'll look back and say, hey, look, that was on an anniversary of doesn't have to be 1987, it could be another important point in time. Here's the rub. How do you know when those important cyclical time frames or events are? Well, this is where it becomes part art form, part science, but let me give you one example. I like to keep things simple. This is a website called Math is Fun, Fibonacci Sequence. If you're not familiar with it, look it up. If you've taken my course, then you should be familiar with it. What you see here in the middle is Fibonacci sequence. These are Fibonacci series of numbers that go in sequence. How this works, you just read below and you follow the rules. It's very simple. I'm not trying to analyze it. I'm not trying to make it complicated. I'm just saying, here's one of those numbers, 34. Maybe it's important. Then you do some simple mathematics and you go 2021 minus 1987. What do you get? You get 34 years. So I've got my eye on this year as a potential important thing that could happen. It's an awareness. And there you have it. That's a segment out of the course that I've yet to build called the Lazy Cycle Trader. Someday I'm going to make a course on how I use all these varieties and maturations of cycles and what I call cycles and how time from a much bigger, bigger perspective plays a role across markets. All right, we got off on a tangent. Let's get back to square one. Can they get up to 449, 450 before having a pullback? Sure, it's possible. Why not? From an intraday perspective, Inside the number members, we'll have a beat on the numbers and where we are each and every morning long before the opening bell rings. What about inside the numbers? So for today, obviously we saw it was mainly a trend day up, so we know that the activity from an S&P 500 perspective inside the numbers is limited. But wait, there's more. Another segment is called stocks on the move. We'll circle back to those later. Early in the morning and overnight, there was a slight pullback in the S&P 500 futures. And I called it garden variety behavior. The numbers are straightforward. 447.17 is considered unfinished business. Under normal garden variety markets, they'll do it. Right out of the chute, five minute chart, right of the vertical, today's activity. Here's the opening print, which was Still a gap down from Friday's close. Opening print, 443.97. What did they do into the end of the day? They went up and filled the gap or unfinished business, 447.17. Closing print from a daily chart perspective, 447.20. No accidents nor coincidences across the tape. 
if they were to fall, 442.50 was where I was waiting with open hands. They never got down there. I never bought the S&P 500 down there. They did not give me the chance. By the way, of note, last week was earnings pregame warm-up routine with the banks coming out party. This week begins the bonanza tonight, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're going to come out in full force. What does that mean? That means we're going to be busy with stocks on the move. We'll get back to those later. We're moving along. Looking for 442.50 at 8.50 in the morning when they started dropping the market in the pre-market session. But again, they never got down there when the bell rang. Now, here's an interesting one. If they rally to around 445.75, it will be showtime for the bull bear battle. Aggressive traders can short that spot. Now, yada, 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 you can read the rest, pause the video first, and go ahead and double-check the charts. But at 921, that was the setup. But then, as the market ran away or opened up and started trading, they went down first. They never got to my buy zone, 442.50, 9.35 post, but they never got there. And then when they started going back up, it's a different setup. The chart is different. The setup is different. It's off the table. You'll see that later. And it's important that I'm mentioning this. We'll go back to the charts to see what happened. A little word on MDT. It's a stock on the move. We'll circle back. They'll likely find resistance around 445.65. I'm not interested in a short why. The volume is light. We have winners in the books from stocks on the move. Why bother fighting the market? That's my take at 9.57 in the morning. And tap base hit in the book. And so now I'm going on break. You can pause the video. Going on break according to the notes. Pause the video. Read the notes. Go back to the charts to double check the work. Obviously in a trend day up, you know that the notes are basically going to be, here's what I see, here's what happens if, and there's nothing else going on, don't waste your time. That's the type of tape this was from an S&P 500 perspective. Now, That was the S&P 500. The objective is that we have something for everybody. So each and every day, there's a laundry list of stocks on the move. Some days there's a handful. Some days there's a small bucket full. Some days there's a laundry list. During earnings season, the list obviously grows. This morning, we had NTAP, Disney, Zillow, and MDT, that's Medtronic. They all hit their price objectives. We're going to take a look at those charts. Fastly and pins did not. They're off the board. Somebody else's numbers, not mine. NTAP, closed Friday, 94.40 something, getting a buzz cut at the open. $90.25 was the number on the board, bright and early. What happens? They come into it quickly. They bounce away quickly. They provide the base hit and then some type of opportunity. Man on first. Disney, Disney was really a no trade. Why was that? because they came in too close. Here it is at 172 low against 171.75. They came within a quarter and they bounced away and did the deal before coming into the number. When that happens, it's not the type of trade opportunity that we're looking for. Let me expand further. Here's a one minute chart. Here's where they came in about 25 cents away and they bounced up. Here's a high of 173.34. That's the minimum 1% give or take that we call the base hit. Now, when they come back in, 
It's not the same trait. Not that it won't work or can't work. It's I don't look at it the same way anymore. That's just my rule, period. Zillow. Here's a one-minute chart because you had to be paying attention. They came into the first number, 86.65. They gave the minimum required base hit. It's good enough for a minimum required win. And then when you stretch it out again, they came into the second number, went back to the first. That counts as two wins from a technically correct perspective. We'll take one win for the book. We'll say it's another base hit, man on first and third. How about Medtronic? Closed on Friday up at 127.70 something. 119.77 was a number on the board bright and early. What was the low over here? 119.50. What did they do after that? They turned around and went back in the other direction. 122. They gave you the minimum required base hit or more. Still have runners at first and third. Nobody out. One run in. It's all we needed. You pack it in, 30 minutes, have a nice day, game, set, match. See you tomorrow. Which, by the way, is pretty much what happened. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Friday, they put in a nice little reversal candle, but they're above all the moving averages. Do we make heads or tails out of that? Do we make a federal case out of that? What do we do with that? Here's what I do with that. I pay attention. I notice a reversal candle, no two ways about it. That means that the market was rejected at a specific price. In this case, the high was 228.41. Why was it exactly 228.41? It doesn't matter. It was rejected up there and they came down. Somewhere along the line, there was a reason why that price was important. We don't need to really know exactly why right now. All we need to do is know that until and unless price is above that number on a daily chart closed, then the IWM is going to have some kind of ceiling on it. However, the other side of that, again, we're the umpire calling balls and strikes. The other side of that has more stuff. The other side of that happens to be the bull side. So check this out. They're above all the moving averages. You have this convergence down here with the 20 sloping back up, about to cross over the 50. That's information you need to know. Above all the moving averages, everything's bullish. The trend is your friend. You know the rest. The weekly chart closed above the 20-week moving average and is currently above the 20-week moving average. You have an upsloping 50-week moving average where the IWM was riding it. Now, when you look at the weekly chart, does something become more clear? Does it become more obvious why the market was rejected on Friday from a specific spot. Maybe not to the penny, but from that general spot is pretty obvious. It was a weekly chart, breakdown candle high, or in the neighborhood or vicinity of a high. Which candle? How about this one? The high is 229. They got to 228.41. They made a run for it. They came up short. Sometimes they spike it. Sometimes they come up short. There's no rhyme or reason. Don't try and figure it out. It's in the neighborhood. That's all we need to know. We're using common sense and logic rather than trying to overanalyze and get bogged down in the minutia. Let the folks at Joe's Indicator Shop get bogged down in the minutia. So now we're back to the daily chart. Now we have a different approach. As opposed to before we looked at the weekly chart, we didn't really know what the story was up at last week's high. 
Now we have a little bit of a clearer vision of why the market was rejected from that spot. So here's what we'll say. As long as they stay above these moving averages, they're likely to get through that spot in the northern direction. Back below the moving averages, something different's going on. Maybe they come down to fill this gap intraday, that's fine. Maybe they spend a day or so down there. But you start getting below the convergence of the 250 and 20 moving average, something different's going on, and the market's likely failing across the board. What about the folks down at the transportation department? We've been talking about 14,760. What happened once they got over 14,760? They hit the pedal to the metal, heading right for what? Right for the next spot, 15,375, give or take. What's the high today? If we can move this over, we'll be able to tell you what the high was. High of 15,347 and change. That qualifies for the give or take margin of error. But they'll still get there probably. Now on the daily chart, they're above all the moving averages. The trend is your friend. Unless there's a colossal failure from some black swan that comes out of nowhere, they did the thing where they got back above 14,760, closed the week above. That's a bullish sign. They were staring into the abyss. They got held by the 50-period moving average. Back to the trend is your friend. Q people, Silicon Valley folks, trend is your friend. Back above all the moving averages. Nice, big, juicy up day. Unless we see an immediate failure, there's nothing wrong with this market. All the markets, like the Qs, the S&P, the Dow, they're a little too far too fast. They'll probably run into a wall, and if they go sideways for a while, they'll be building energy to make another move higher. If they have more than a bread box type of pullback, well then something else is developing. The financials, they made a new high on Friday, they're hanging around the highs still yet today. Above all the moving averages, and you know the rest, there's nothing wrong with the XLF. Smash Mouth, same routine, looking into the abyss, riding the 200-period moving average, rubber band is stretched, one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to break down, or it's going to break up and snap back. They snap back. Today, they closed above the 50-period moving average. Again, too far, too fast, yes. Will they fill that gap above all the way up here, right around... 270, yes they will, but they're not going to do it in one bite. They'll pull back, they'll make it look like a failure, they'll go back and forth. That's just the way things work. But today, from a weekly chart perspective and others, there's nothing wrong with Smash Mouth. The Philadelphia Semiconductor Index is okay. Above all its moving averages, the trend remains up, and therefore, being a good proxy for the tech space as a whole... We take that at face value. We use it in the 80-20 camp 80% of the time when that situation is present. There's nothing wrong with the market. If we see something flip around like the SMH starts to break down, then we know there's trouble in paradise. We don't invest or trade on the what-ifs or the guesses. We use the charts to determine what the market is speaking to us in its language. It's the language of numbers. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.